if we devote ourselves to our own pursuits in our older years, we're missing key opportunities the Lord has given us to pour His truth, His gospel into the coming generation. Welcome to the Hope and Help Project, the podcast that cultivates compassionate biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. I'm your host, Christine Chapel, and I'm thankful you're here to join in on today's conversation with Larry McCall. Today we'll be talking about Larry's book, Grandparenting with Grace, Living the Gospel with the Next Generation, to help us better understand what it means to build a legacy worth following through intentional gospel-centered relationships with our grandchildren. If this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to learn more about the Hope and Help Project by visiting faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. The link is posted in the show description, and by visiting that page, you can learn all about the mission of the podcast. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guest. Larry McCall has served as pastor at Christ Covenant Church in Indiana since 1981. He has written a number of articles and is the author of Walking Like Jesus Did, Loving Your Wife as Christ Loves the Church, and Grandparenting with Grace. He is a graduate of Grace College, Grace Theological Seminary, and has a Doctor of Ministry degree from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Larry has been married to his wife since 1975. They have three married children and seven grandchildren. Hey there, Larry. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Christine. I am so excited to introduce your book, Grandparenting with Grace, Living the Gospel with the Next Generation, to the Hope and Help Project audience. This book is so rich with the Word of God and practical advice that I completely marked up my copy of the book. I was super excited to see how much you really pointed readers back to God's Word for this particular topic. Would you tell us why you decided to write this book and how you have grown to embrace grandparenting by grace in your own life? Wow, thanks for asking, Christine. Actually, this whole book project came about three or four years ago. My wife and I were asked to teach a class, an adult Sunday school class at our church on gospel-centered grandparenting. And when we were first asked to do that, our first reaction was, uh, what? (laughs) We'd never been to a class on grandparenting. We'd never even heard of a class on grandparenting. And Because no one ever taught us, we were a little bit taken aback, and yet we loved being grandparents. We love our grandkids. We love being grandparents. And so we said yes. And so we started to dive in. What does the Bible teach us about grandparenting? And it was very eye-opening for us as grandparents. But then, Christine, I started looking for other books, books I could read on grandparenting. Mm -hmm. And sadly, I found only a small handful that were Bible-based Uh, There are a number of books on grandparenting out there that are basically anecdote-based. They Mm -hmm. tell stories, but don't necessarily teach biblical principles, gospel, application, and grandparenting. And so over the course of teaching this class, several people came to me independently, members of that class, and saying, Larry, you really need to write on this. And so a very kind of New Growth Press to pick up that project. And uh, it's been a delight. It was a learning process for my wife and me. Well, I really, like I said, enjoyed reading it, and I appreciated that early on in the book, you wrote, quote, 
There has been a growing trend in American culture over the last couple of generations for the retired and semi-retired to devote the golden years largely to their own pursuits. What about this sentiment is harmful when it comes to how we interact with our grandchildren? Christine, I think in our culture that uh, spending your golden years on yourself has not only become acceptable, but even recommended. Mm. I mean, there are whole communities devoted to older folks living with only other older folks Mm -hmm. and spending their remaining active years, you know, playing golf and going out to eat and going shopping and going on cruises. And, And those aren't necessarily bad things in and of themselves, but if we devote ourselves to our own pursuits in our older, older years, we're missing key opportunities the Lord has given us to pour His truth, His gospel into the coming generation. So it, it's not good for our souls. It feeds our self-centeredness. And it certainly is not good for the coming generations. Those of us with more years of experience of walking with Christ, we're not using the time we have available to pour into the next generations. I really love the chapter you wrote where you tear down the notions that our grandchildren are little angels who can do no wrong. I appreciate the reality you point out when you write, quote, realizing that our grandchildren are sinners means that we don't give them the impression that they can make life work if they just try hard enough to live good lives while staying away from bad influences. It seems like this mindset is easy to adopt in established Christian households where faith has been something seemingly passed down through the generations. But what do grandparents need to be cautious of here? Do our grandkids get an automatic pass from God because of their Christian family heritage? Mm. Wow. No, Jesus had to deal with that, didn't he? He had to deal with people in his day who thought they had an in with God just because of their parentage, their heritage. And yet Jesus made it real clear that we need new hearts. And I think as grandparents, we love our grandkids. We think the best of them. And, um, you know, it's real typical for a grandparent to look at a maybe a cute little granddaughter and call her my angel, you know. And, and we can develop this mindset, Christine, where we think as long as we can keep the grandkids from bad influences, you know, as long as we can keep them away from drugs and premarital sex and, and uh, violence and all those bad things, they'll be fine. And that's the problem isn't just out there. The problem is in here. The problem is in our hearts, in the hearts of our grandkids. And I think as grandparents to realize one of the best things we can do for our grandkids is talk to them about their need for Jesus Christ and the the glorious truth of the gospel found in him. And if we miss that because we think our kids are fine without Christ, we're doing them an eternal disfavor. I've spoken to grandparents who have voiced the tension that exists between trying to give the parents a space to raise their children how they see fit, while at the same time remaining involved in such a way that the grandparents can exert their opinions and their influences on that family. You observe in the book that, quote, some grandparents, no doubt, intrude into the realms that are rightful responsibilities of the parents, bypassing the grandchildren's parents in areas of decisions and discipline. So what are the dangers of crossing this generational boundary, and how can the gospel help us to become involved without being pushy? Hmm. Wow, good question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times grandparents are not involved enough. Mm. But there is that tendency in the lives of some grandparents to overstep bounds. And I think we need we grandparents need to remember that it is the 
grandchildren's parents who are the God-appointed, I call them primary disciplers or primary mentors. My friend Josh Mulvihill has said that uh, we grandparents have the same goal as our children, the parents of our grandchildren, but we have a different role. Same goal, different role. Mm. Uh, If we're Christians, we want our grandchildren to set their hope in God, and yet we have a different role. We're not the parents, we're the grandparents. And so to think of that in more of a support role, um, one thing my wife and I do with our kids, our adult kids, is uh, occasionally we'll just sit down with them and, and ask a real open question. I did this with one of our daughters just recently. I sat down and said, um, how would you like us to be involved with your kids at this time, in this season of their lives? And just had a real open conversation. And, and I think if we don't do that and we grandparents start to intrude into the realm of responsibilities that the parents have, we're going to cause rifts between the older generation and the middle generation, our kids, but we're also going to be confusing our grandkids. They're not going to be sure who to listen to. Um, Mom and dad said, don't do that, but grandpa and grandma said it's okay. That's just confusing to the kids and it breaks down their respect and obedience to their parents. So we grandparents need to be careful that we're in good communication with our kids and how they would like us to be involved in supporting them is the grandchildren's primary mentors. I think as we grandparents lean heavily upon the gospel, we see our dependence on the Lord and his gracious sovereignty over our lives, the lives of our adult children, the lives of our grandchildren. And we're not going to be so bent toward trying to control everybody's lives, making Mm -hmm. things turn out the way we think they should. But there's what I would call a gospel sweetness in the lives of a gospel-saturated, gospel-dependent grandparent. There's such a love and and dependence on the Lord and on Christ that uh, there's less of a tendency to want to control situations to take over. And even humility, the gospel, builds into our lives as Christians, no matter what our age, builds into our lives a humility where we recognize that we are sinners saved by grace. And there's not this pride of thinking, I know what's best. I know better than my kids. Um, And we start to take over. But that humility makes us want to ask more questions, to listen more, to ask open questions. So I think the gospel shapes us as Christians, and in particular in this conversation as older Christians, as Christian grandparents, to have that gospel sweetness, that gospel dependency that shapes our relationships with our adult kids. I think that makes a lot of sense because as I'm reflecting on what you're saying there, I'm kind of relating to it as a parent. You know, as a as a parent, I'm tempted to be domineering over my children and try to, you know, be overly controlling in every aspect of their lives. Now, of course, there's an element of that that is responsible parenting, but sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it can definitely cross the line. And yes. a lot of the effects of that has to do with anxiety. And so we see, you mm-hmm. know, anxi- levels of anxiety increasing in culture as parents and maybe even on the level as grandparents, because as the older generation, not only do you have your own kids that you're concerned with, but now you've got your kids' kids that that you love and you care for. And so it's you have to trust two sets of generations with the Lord instead of just the one. And I I would feel like if we are as grandparents really bent on trying to overstep those generational boundaries, that it would be no surprise then for us to find ourselves anxious often when it comes to family issues, because we're trying to 
control too much. So I love that point that you made of how the gospel can really help us to rest in God's sovereignty and, and to humble ourselves and, in essence, surrender our families, our, our kids and our grandkids to the Lord's care because he loves them even more than we do. Amen. Uh, so hmm. thank you for that. Yes. I'm not sure many listeners have heard of the term intentional grandparenting, but I think it's fantastic. You mentioned it in the mm-hmm. book and mm-hmm. your book actually provides a wealth of scriptures that really prove the term has a biblical basis. Would you unpack what intentional grandparenting is for us and offer some scriptures that help to shape our mindset about it? I think our culture has this uh, very shallow view of grandparenting that's basically along the line of uh, our grandparents' job is to spoil the grandkids and send them home, or or maybe to say a little more softly, we're, we're to build a lot of happy memories for our grandchildren. Well, well, we do want our grandchildren to be happy, but there's more to it than that. There's an eternal perspective. Christine, I think one of the passages that have impacted my wife and me increasingly on this journey of grandparenting is Psalm 78. And if I could just quote selectively from Psalm 78, it says, We will tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. And then down in verse seven, it says, so that they should set their hope in God. Hmm. And so when you think very individually, very personally of this grandchild or that grandchild, and you're praying for that grandchild, you're interacting with that grandchild. What are you what are you prayerfully aiming at? We're aiming as grandparents that they would set their hope in God, that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ and live long lives of following him. And so when we're interacting with our grandchildren, it's not that every single conversation has to be oriented to eternity, but the overall direction of our conversation, of our example of life is pointing them to Christ, pointing them to their need of Christ, Or if they're already followers of Christ, how can they grow in him? And so there's an intentionality that way. And and even think ahead. Oh, the grandkids are coming over. Oh, we're going to their home or we're doing this activity together. And to plan ahead of time, prayerfully plan ahead of time. How could we redeem this conversation, this activity, this time together to point them to Christ in some way? And some are more obvious than others, but there should be a regular pattern in our our lives as grandparents, that we're pointing our grandchildren to Christ. That's the intentionality. There are six prayer points you offer readers when it comes to praying for ourselves as grandparents. Why is prayer so critical in the grandparent role? And can you share what the six recommended areas are to pray about? Yes. Well, I think just in general, we recognize God's gracious sovereignty in our lives and in their entirety that God must move or nothing happens. <laughs> and uh, so we pray for our grandkids, but we pray for ourselves as grandparents. And we think about, Lord, I want to be a gospel-centered, gospel-motivated, intentional grandparent. How do we pray for ourselves? We, we pray for our hearts. Do I believe that God wants my grandchildren to put their faith in him? Do I believe that? Do I believe that my grandchildren need the gospel? So we're, we're praying for our hearts, our beliefs, our convictions. Do my convictions, my beliefs line up with the word of God? We pray for our understanding. Um, I quoted Psalm 78 a while ago that will tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, the wonders that he has done. Do we as grandparents have a growing understanding of God? 
do have we studied the Bible? Are we listening intently to sermons? Are we listening to podcasts? Are we building into our minds a growing understanding of who God is, his attributes, what his purposes are in life, uh, his commands, his gracious commands? Uh, are we building that into our life so that we have something to share with grandchildren? That would be understanding. Wisdom, mm. As the grandchildren get older, the problems get bigger. <laughs> Lord, how am I going to help my grandchild work through the difficulties of living in this fallen world? Lord, give me wisdom to how to answer in a way that would guide him or her toward you. Consistency. Nothing turns a young person off more than hypocrisy. Yeah. And we're all hypocrites to some degree, aren't we? Yeah. But it's a general pattern of my life. Back up what I say with my lips. Is there a consistency between what I say and how I live? Lord, give me that consistency of life. And then perseverance, grandparenting is a lifelong endeavor, not just when they're little, but even as adults. And some of our friends that are older than us by 10 or 15, 20 years have adult grandchildren. And they're still grandparents, but now to adult grandchildren, do I have the perseverance to be modeling for them a Christ-centered life for years to come? And then just strength. I speak for all of us older folks that with every birthday candle, the energy level goes down a notch. Mm. <laughs> and so if you have a lot of grandchildren or very active grandchildren, we realize we need energy. <laughs> Lord, please <laughs> give me energy. And uh, we especially notice that my wife and me, whenever we have our grandchildren here uh, overnight or we do a thing we call grand camp where we have all of our grandkids here for five days straight Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, in the summertime. And it's very intentional. Uh, we look to pour into them 24 seven that week. Mm. And by the end of the week, we're happy and tired grandparents. <laughs> so we pray for energy. That sounds like so much fun. Well, I, I mean, just listening to you talk about that list, even though I read it in the book, I just can't help but think, man, this is so applicable just to, to parents also, not just grandparents. But then also it just had me thinking, too, of just going back to that word of intentional, because I feel like as parents and probably I don't know if that's been your experience or other people's experience as grandparents, but we can be so tempted to just turn things on to cruise control mm -hmm. with our families where we're not really paying much intentional attention to mm -hmm. what's going on we're just kind of coasting and doing what feels good or what you know is a hobby that entertains us or self-indulgences and whatnot and then all of a sudden years pass and our kids are out of the door and we're like wait what happened <laughs> what, what happened all that time that I had and I'm sure Larry would you say that that time goes quickly Yes. Okay. And I think I think that would be an amen from most of the listeners that time flies by. Yeah. And um, yeah, you realize that we must redeem the time the Lord's given us. We have no guarantee for tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's just really good encouragement. So thank you for sharing those six rec mm -hmm. recommended areas. Now, some of those who are listening to the show are a grandparent to a child who lives in a broken family. Maybe there has been a divorce and now they aren't really sure how to navigate the situation or they don't really know how they should be interacting with the grandchild as a result. So what suggestions would you offer someone in this situation? And do the scriptures offer us any wisdom for how to rightly behave and speak in these circumstances? 
Yes, I think, Christine, the gospel has some applications to these situations that could be very helpful. And sadly, many grandchildren in our culture are growing up in broken homes. There's right. been divorce. Yeah. And um, as grandparents, I think sometimes in the Lord's kind providence, we, we can be anchors. We grandparents can be anchors as our grandchildren are going through the storms of living through the divorce of parents. That would probably be the most common in this situation. And and I think as gospel-saturated grandparents, we interact with our grandkids and we don't want to minimize their pain. Yeah. Um, don't just treat the grandchildren like, oh, come on, you'll get over this. There's, you know, you'll be fine. No, let's listen to the pain of their hearts. A grandchild might be living with great anxiety mm-hmm. or bitterness or even I've talked to kids going through their parents' divorce who think somehow they caused it. Mm. Maybe it's my fault that my parents got divorced. And so as grandparents, to listen to those heart concerns and then not to minimize their pain, but to maximize grace. And so pointing them to Christ and his truth, his love, and then modeling that as grandparents, I think especially if there's been a painful divorce, it's given our grandchildren pain they didn't ask for. It's so easy as the older generation to be bitter. You know, why did my son do that? Why did my daughter-in-law do that? Why did they divorce my child? Or why did they pursue this divorce? It's hurting my grandchildren. And and we can demonstrate in our attitudes and our words to our grandchildren a bitterness Mm -hmm. that does not honor Christ and is not commendable to the gospel. And so remembering how the Lord loved us, we were not We were not attractive. We were not good people when the Lord saved us. He saved us when we were sinners. And so remembering our own sinfulness, gospel uh, reminders there that he saved us in our sin, that we can treat our erring son or daughter or son-in-law, daughter-in-law with the kind of patient grace that the Lord has shown us. And we don't need to be bitter. We need to be sad, but to be gracious, to be loving, even in those painful situations and, and then to point the grandchildren in particular to Christ and the hope we have in him, I think we can serve our grandchildren well by directing their eyes upwards to him. Well, distance is also something that is another hurdle for grandparents today. Many families live separated from each other where constant face-to-face involvement with the grandchild is just simply not feasible. I know that's the situation with my family. My my mom lives, you know, seven hours away. So it's a, a weekend trip, so not terribly far. But then we have grandparents who live in California who are, you know, an airplane ride away. And so it makes it really challenging. So how can grandparents have a meaningful relationship with a grandchild they don't get to see? often. Christine, this is a real common problem in North America. I read a statistic, and I'm going from memory now, but it is something like about half of grandparents in North America live at least 200 miles from one of their grand, one or more of their grandchildren. Mm. And so it's real common. And I think I would like to encourage my fellow grandparents in that situation, don't give up too quickly. Uh, don't think, well, my grandchildren live far away. I'm not going to be able to have a lot of input into our lives. Thankfully, we live in a day where we can work around distance uh, more efficiently than any previous generation. And um, I think of just practical things. Uh, Think about how could I go to them? How could I spend time with my grandchildren? Um, You know, sometimes we think, well, that's going to cost time. That's going to cost money. Yes. 
uh, what did it cost Christ to come to us mm. <laughs> and to achieve our salvation, living the life we should have lived in this fallen world and then dying the death that we should have died on the cross? Uh, it cost him to come show his love for us. Can we not sacrifice to show love for our grandchildren? I encourage grandparents in that situation at the beginning of the year, sit down, look at your budget and say, what would it cost us to make that trip to go visit our grandkids? Uh, maybe it'll cost money that you could have spent on a cruise. It's not wrong to go on a cruise, but when you weigh those together, wouldn't it be better to spend that money with your grandchildren, uh, taking time to go visit them? We have some friends that have, I think all their grandchildren live an airplane right away, mm -hmm. but they their decision was, we're going to visit each of our grandchildren on his or her birthday. <laughs> and they put that on their calendar and they put that in their budget every year. Wow. Every year they're flying to multiple destinations throughout the year to visit individual grandchildren on his or her birthday. I think that is so cool. Yeah. Um, so we can go to them, but we can also have the grandchildren come to us. How can we make it more convenient for the grandchildren to come visit us? And if they live a distance away, it might be for a longer stay than just overnight, whatever. It might be for a few days, but to build that into our lives. Now, we want you to come. Um, we're going to make it as easy as possible for you to come. I mentioned grandparent or grand camp that my wife and I do. That's something that we just build into our annual calendar. And we've done it several years now, and the grandkids look forward to it with great delight, anticipation. And so we just budget it in. I take some vacation time and uh, we just plan this out. We all involve the older grandkids in planning it, but it's getting extended time with them. Even though some of our grandchildren live in another state, they know that every summer they're going to have at least five days extended time with Papa and Grandma. I was just going to say, Larry, your grand camp sounds like so much fun. I want to go because I did not. No, seriously, because I did not grow up with grandparents. All of my grandparents had passed away uh, mm. when I was born, except for one who passed away when I was four or five. And, I, and we, again, were living a great distance away. And so mm -hmm. I never really saw him. And so just the thought of a grandparent doing a grand camp, I'm like, man, that's something. Thank you for that idea. I'm going to write to you in 20 or 30 years and say, hey, Larry. I'm doing grand camp. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Because I really feel like that's just a great idea. But go ahead and continue. <laughs> well, on the grand camp, before I go further, I just want to say that that was not original with us. Okay. We got that. We got that idea from a dear friend of ours, Kevin Harper, who mm -hmm. uh, I call him the dean of the Christian grandparent movement. And oh we benefit so much from people like Kevin. Uh, but there are other ways as long distance grandparents, we can stay involved in the lives of our grandchildren. And one easy way is using technology. Uh, not only phone calls and text messages, but isn't it a privilege to live in a culture where we have access to video calls? And if you think about it, if we have internet on this end and they have internet on that end, they could live literally halfway around the world. And yet we can visit with them virtually through a video call. And uh, why not schedule those regularly? Um, my wife and I have a weekly Bible study with two of our grandchildren who live in another state. And uh, every Tuesday afternoon, uh, we make a video call and we get a half hour with each of these two grandchildren and they have a copy of the Bible study there. It's a kids oriented Bible study. We have one here and uh, we do long distance Bible study with two of our grandkids. And it's a great way. I mean, we have fun calls, too, but mm -hmm. that's a great way for us to build into their lives, even though they don't live in the same state. So use the technology you have. And if you're kind of scared of technology, 
get some of your older kids to get you set up, <laughs> you know, have them teach you. Um, but it's worth the effort to learn. It's worth the effort to try and then to actually discipline yourself to put that on your calendar and have regular video calls. Um, it's a wonderful way to stay involved with grandkids that you don't see face to face every day. Those are really great suggestions. And I just want to let the listener know Larry's book is packed with practical applications for grandparents in a variety of difficult situations. So even though we're talking about a few of them here on the show, I really want to encourage you to grab a copy of Larry's book because you will not be disappointed with how approachable and applicable he makes some of these suggestions for our daily lives. It's really great stuff. Now, another issue that might not be frequently discussed is the reality that sometimes our grandchildren can become defiant or mm. there is some significant significant rift in the family relationship where the members are estranged and therefore do not communicate on a regular basis. If there is a grandparent listening today who finds themselves in this particular situation, how does the gospel guide us in this area? Is there anything that can be done? Yes. Those are such painful situations. And for any of you listening today who are in that situation, please know my heart goes out to you. And I want to encourage you with reminders of God's grace. And I think one way the gospel shapes those situations, Christine, is, is just remembering our own dependence on Christ and not to become proud and defensive. You know, if there's a rift in the family, uh, our sinful tendency is to try to find someone to blame. Yeah. You know, who can I blame for this? And yet Jesus said, to get the log out of our own eye before we try to get the speck out of our brother's eye. And to take that teaching from our Lord very personally in our strained family relationships, instead of trying to figure out who can I blame for this, to look into the mirror of God's word and say, Lord, how have I contributed to this problem? And in the Lord's providence, it might mean sitting down with the person that you're estranged from, maybe a son or a daughter, for instance, and uh, just say, you know, the Lord's been dealing with me and I've been confessing my sin to him, but what do I need to make right with you? And to ask gentle, open questions and, and expressing that desire to have the relationship restored, but to show humility and grace and not pointing fingers. And uh, I think in situations like that, it could in the Lord's grace even open up doors where that estranged son or daughter, or even an adult grandchild or teenage grandchild, would come and say, "Oh, I forgive you, and will you forgive me for this or that?" And mm -hmm. and that gracious humility starts to open up doors for restoration. But as long as there's this proud defensiveness, it's not my fault. I wasn't the one that caused this. I don't know why we would have any hope for restoration. Um, but the Lord wants us to be humble. He gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. And we, we need his grace. We want his grace. And so in humility to go seeking his kindness and restoring the situation, but also approaching those family members with whom we're estranged. But I think, I think Christine, even in worst case scenarios where we don't see restoration, to remember as painful as that is, that we're still accepted by the Lord himself because of Christ. And so even though we ache to be restored to that estranged son, daughter, grandchild, 
um, as painful as it is, we still have a relationship with Christ that helps us through those painful times. And it could be, it could be in His mercy that two years from now or five years from now, there will be restoration. Mm -hmm. But to maintain a, a gospel sweetness, a gospel hope in that painful situation, and then to see what the Lord will do over time. That's really great encouragement, Larry. Thank you for, for sharing that wisdom. We've got time for one more question on the show today. So I want to invite you to do something I ask every guest of the Hope and Help Project to do, which is to speak directly to the audience. There, mm -hmm. there may be someone listening to this episode who is a grandparent. Maybe they haven't given much thought to what it means to be an intentional grandparent, but they like what they've heard in our discussion and are stirred up to make some meaningful changes in their lives. What would mm -hmm. you say to that person to encourage them to become intentional about leaving a legacy that witnesses the gospel to the next generation? Wonderful question. Well, for those of you listening today who are grandparents, let me encourage you to spend time looking at God's word. What is his calling on our lives as grandparents? And if you want to do a search on the word grandparent, you're not going to come up with a lot of hits. But look for, look for uh, words like generation, one generation will tell another. That'll lead you to Psalm 145, to Psalm 78, uh, maybe Psalms like Psalm 71. There are different Psalms that remind us that God's given us the joyful responsibility to pour into the next generation, the coming generations, the glorious deeds of the Lord, who He is and what He's done, the gospel in Jesus Christ. And there are other passages, too, that can help us that way. Second Timothy is a great book of the Bible to read, where you hear Paul as a spiritual father reminding Timothy of the heritage he had, not only with his mother, but with his grandmother, Lois. So we look for opportunities in the Bible to learn that way. But then I would also want to speak to you grandparents that, uh, you know, you're on this journey and you're saying, this is all new to me. Well, why not learn everything you can? Uh, Grandparenting with Grace is a short book. Even if you don't enjoy long books, I think you'll benefit from this short book. There are a few other books out there that can be truly helpful to you. But begin reading books that encourage you to be a Bible-based, gospel-centered grandparent. And then a third thing I want to say to you, my fellow grandparents, is this. Get together with some other grandparents and go on this journey together of learning what it means to be an intentional grandparent. Yeah, it can be difficult doing it alone, but if you're together with some friends who are going on the same journey, you can encourage one another and even teach one another, pray for one another, pray with one another. In the Grandparenting with Grace book, I put at the end of each chapter some discussion questions you can go over with your fellow grandparents and just help each other on your journey. But I'd like to say something to those of you who aren't grandparents yet. Some of you are raising your kids. You parents, you are the gatekeeper to your parents being involved in the lives of your kids. Uh, you're the one that can open that door for them. So I would encourage you who are raising your kids to talk to your parents and have open conversation about how you would like to see them pour into your kids in a way that would honor Christ and help your grandkids. And that might jog your parents into realizing that their role has eternal significance and that you will see them growing as they listen to your request to be more involved spiritually, that they might have their hunger stirred and they're out there looking for ways to grow themselves. So this is a three-generation effort here mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, of impacting the kids so that they would set their hope in God. 
Well, thank you so much, Larry, for sharing those thoughts and reflections. I just feel really encouraged by uh, this, our whole conversation today. And I also want to echo what you, uh, one of the points that you made in that closing statement. This book that you've written is an excellent curriculum for small group study. And I think that's one of the reasons you mentioned that you actually went down the road of writing the book was because Mm -hmm. you were tasked with that. And I just want to be another voice out there in the crowd of people already praising the book that that's exactly what this book, I think, has as its strength. Larry, if there's someone listening who is interested in learning more about your ministry, is there a website that you could refer them to to get more information? Yes, I have a website. It's called Walking Like Jesus Ministries, and it's just WLJ, Walking Like Jesus Ministries.org. And there's contact information there, more information. We're currently uploading some short videos on grandparenting. Wonderful. I will be sure to link to that website in the show notes. So if you are really eager to get connected with Larry and his ministry, you can scroll down to the show notes, click on the link, and that will take you to the page where you can learn all about Larry. Also get a copy of his book if you're interested as well. Well, Larry, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us on this really important conversation today. I was super encouraged. I hope the listeners benefited as well. And I just want to thank you for taking time to write such a thoughtful, scripture-oriented well thought out book. It was just, it was amazing. So thank you so much for writing it. Thanks for inviting me and Christine. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode, complete with links to Larry's books and other helpful resources. If you enjoyed today's conversation, I would be so thankful if you left a review for the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Be sure to subscribe to be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help Project a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. One more thing, if you're looking for gospel, hope, and help for life's challenging problems, visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash email. I send my email subscribers weekly biblical counseling resources on rotating topics. From videos, audios, articles, and recommended reading, these emails are designed to equip you to discover gospel hope and help in your own life. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help Project.